Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. I'm your host, George Kurt, joined by the hot takes man himself, Tyler Snyder. Tyler, how you doing here after a very interesting week six? Look, guys, uh, Titans were on by, so I didn't get to watch my own team play, but I did get to watch some college football. If you notice, I'm watching the wearing the Volunteers jersey. Tennessee beat Alabama. Let's celebrate that. I know we're a fantasy football podcast, but that is still absolutely huge for the football world because nobody likes Alabama, not even Alabama. Um, uh, unless you're like definitely... a Cowboys fan or a Lakers fan or a Patriots fan. <laughs> Which, if you're a bandwagon fan, you're probably not listening to our podcast anyway. So, uh, <laughs> no, this is for the true football fans in here. Um, I'm good. Week six was weird. I, I lost in almost all my leagues yet again. I am really off to a rough start in fantasy, but I'm not afraid because I know that with our combined knowledge, I'll be able to make some moves, make some big splashes, get right back in, and I'm still going to make the playoffs. So, here we go. I've seen many, many times, especially in our league of record, where people who barely make that playoffs in that six seed or five seed make some runs and make the championship. So it's not over till it's over. You only have to have about a 500 record to make the, the tournament. So the way to keep your head up there, Tyler. And yeah, we're going to talk some NFL news and notes on this show. We're going to hit my favorite segment quotes of the week. And then we're going to help Tyler's team with the week seven waiver wire and a little buy low sell high action. And then we're obviously going to jump right into week seven with our Thursday night football preview. Make sure you find us on thecouchgms.com, our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at thecouchgms, and join our Discord chat. The link is in the description of the video or podcast you are watching or listening to. All right, Tyler, let's jump into NFL news. I guess we have to get used to having Cody here for a bit, by the way, as he is uh, getting ready for his wedding this weekend, and he's going to have his honeymoon as well. He's supposed to be back with us on Thursday. We'll see. I didn't mention that in the intro, so I had to throw that out there. But I want to let you start news, because this is this is your thing. Yeah, so the Titans are getting a new stadium. The mayor of Nashville has agreed to a $2.2 billion stadium. Uh, it's a dome in Nashville uh, Titans are getting a new home and you know, this is, I mean, this is big news. I mean, Tennessee had an okay stadium. They didn't have a phenomenal stadium. Now they have a chance to, you know, Nashville has been a growing sports town for years. Now they really get to put themselves on the map, having one of the biggest, uh, and best stadiums, but just some quick notes. I mean, this, I mean, obviously this isn't going to be completed until 2026, 2027, but just some cool things that I've heard thrown out there. Um, First off, Nashville is the music city, so they want this to be not only a football stadium, but they want this to be the greatest concert venue in the whole country. And they said they have plans to make that happen. Uh, Some other cool things that they have is uh, they're making sure that for the classic football fan that likes to sit in their seat, watch the game, there isn't a such thing as a bad seat in the house. Um, They are trying to make a playground area with viewer – with views of the field for anybody that does bring kids to the stadium. They still have places to play and hang out so the parents can still enjoy the game. And for the millennials, they said they want to create an experience so that those who want to tailgate the whole game and party the whole game can still enjoy the game in full effect from outside the stadium in the lot as well. I don't know if that means a giant video board on the outside of the stadium or what it entails, um, but it does sound cool and it does sound modern. So I'm excited to see how this turns out. I am 
very glad that they are putting this much work into a new stadium. I think after the Las Vegas experiment and what LA did with their two teams and their new stadium, the bar has been set so much higher than it was even the set of stadiums before that. When you saw like what San Francisco did, meh, what New York did, meh. Like, I am so glad to see that this is going to be a whole big thing and it's going to be something that's going to be used in Tennessee for years and years to come. And the concert thing on top of it, like if anyone, if any city is going to fill a full football stadium for concerts on a regular basis, like other cities do, but not on a regular basis, it's going to be Nashville. Absolutely. Yeah, it's huge. And I mean, it's kind of sad because, you know, George and I have discussed this off air, but it's sad because the reason they had to even go with a dome to begin with is because the NFL is so set that the Super Bowl has to be played in a dome. Now I understand weather becomes a factor and you might be afraid that it takes away from the the heart of the sport by, you know, making the Super Bowl in the snow or the rain, but I think that is the sport. I mean, that's the whole thing with football. You see baseball like there's a strong gust of wind, they're like we're canceling the game, I'm out. Um <laughs> that's the nature of the sport. <laughs> With football, it's like, I don't care what the elements are. You show up and you get ready to hit and hit hard and play Mm -hmm. your ass off. And that's what football should be. So I wish the NFL would allow some non-domed stadiums um, in the Super Bowl, but they're not. Titans wanted to be a part of the Super Bowl. So here we are building the $2.2 billion stadium. It's crazy. And they do deserve to get a Super Bowl at some point. We saw how well they did with the NFL draft, which was their first real push into one of those big events. And I'm excited to see how that happens. A couple of years down the road, I'm sure this is going to be how many years in the making until the stadium's ready. But let's talk some actual other football news here. Uh, one little interesting tidbit that may not have any fantasy relevance, but I wanted to throw out there. Uh, wide receiver Deshaun Jackson. Yes, the same Deshaun Jackson that played for the Eagles and then the Washington at that point, Redskins, and then Tampa Bay, and then the Eagles again, uh, is working out for the Ravens on Tuesday. He is 35 years old. Don't know if he can even make an NFL roster anymore, but here we are. Oh, look, I don't get it. Um, Please tell me. Like, I get it. Deshaun Jackson used to be amazing. Used to be. Mm -hmm. Please tell me how Deshaun Jackson is getting a workout before Will Fuller. That, too. Like, I don't, is Will Fuller not taking workouts? Is Will Fuller still struggling a lot from those injury recovery, like recoveries or like, why? What's going on? Cause I mean, I think Will Fuller is a much better talent at this point in his career than mm-hmm. Deshaun is at this point in his career. He should be getting more looks. I, I guess I don't know what's going on in his personal life. Um, we talked a lot about Cole Beasley should have gotten some opportunities and then he did and retired right away. So clearly Beasley wasn't in the shape that uh, we thought he was either. So I guess we don't know, and kudos to Deshaun Jackson for not giving up and continuing to try. I mean, respect. I mean, as much as we want to joke about he's 35, what are you trying to do? Like, dude, he loves the sport. He's trying to give it his all to get back onto a team and keep playing. I respect that, but I don't think he should make the team. And even if it does, this is a fantasy podcast. What is the fantasy impact of this? Absolutely nothing. This is going to be a signing that's probably going to go up there with the Josh Gordon signing with the Titans, who he was released from the Titans practice squad, so you saw exactly how that worked out. Uh, But, as always, injury updates here as we go through news. Big one, Carson Wentz for the Washington Commanders has a broken right ring finger. He got surgery on Monday, and his timeline to return is four to six weeks. So, guess he's not returning to Philly in four weeks. I'm a little disappointed by that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that you bought tickets to the 
Eagles Commanders game, hoping to see the Carson once return to Philly. And like it was supposed to be this big thing. And now <laughs> now you have the tickets and no Carson Wentz. I mean, it's still going to be a good game. You still get mm-hmm. to see an Eagles game, but it definitely does kill the vibes a little bit. And I bet you the prices of the tickets would have been a little cheaper if we knew Wentz would be out. So that kind of sucks for you. But um, I think this is a hit for the Commanders. Like I make fun of Wentz mm-hmm. and I know that he has been struggling of late. And I know the team is even trying to be like, yeah, it's, a, it's Wentz's fault. I don't think it is. Like I watched it in person. Wentz says hi, and gets sacked. I mean, it's just, he has no offensive line. He has no time. And yes, he has Terry McLaurin. Yes. He has Curtis Samuel, but where have they been? Like he's making plays with guys like Diami Brown because his studs aren't creating the separation that they should be creating. I, I, I kind of feel bad for Carson Wentz. Um, they even have Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, who both should be really good, and neither one of them have been doing absolutely anything. So it's not like the running game is opening up anything for him. Um, Probably because the offensive line. It'll look a lot worse for Wentz if Heineke steps in now and absolutely sets the world on fire. That'll be a problem for him. But if Heineke comes in and does just as poorly as Wentz is, which I think he will... um, it's going to show that Wentz wasn't the problem. Fantasy impact of this, though, Wentz has been airing the ball out. Wentz has never been afraid to air the ball out. He doesn't care if he throws 10 interceptions a game, which might be his downfall. Um, Heineke's not quite that guy. I think the commanders are going to turn to more of a run-first offense. I think Brian Robinson is the lead back now. So I think Robinson is going to move up. Um, I think that uh, your receivers are actually going to take a bit of a backward step Curtis Samuel looked bad this week, but I think he's not startable anymore. Uh, Terry McLaurin goes right on the, you know, if you don't have to start him, don't. He's still not droppable, but um, I think the only commanders you're starting at this point are Brian Robinson, and even then, it's kind of sketchy still. I'm with you. It's That offense has gone from something that looked like it could have been something, and especially, like you said, Curtis Samuel who still actually led the team in targets last week against Chicago, just isn't doing anything with the ball anymore. Um, And now I really don't like it with Heineke coming back in. I'm not starting anybody from that team except for maybe Ryan Robinson, if you have to. Um, And we'll see what happens with Taylor Heineke. Maybe he will set the world on fire. I hope he does because, number one, I like chaos, and number two, I like Taylor Heineke. But I don't see it happening. (laughs) Um, Moving on to the Arizona Cardinals because we have like a trio of things going on here. Uh, we'll start off with Marquise Brown because he's been there in the wide receiver one. He's been very solid for fantasy, and now he has gone down with a foot fracture. Um, they expected it to be very, very bad, and it actually came back with some good news. It is not requiring surgery, and he's out for only about six weeks instead of out for the entire season, as was first feared. Um, but still a very huge fantasy impact on the week that DeAndre Hopkins comes back from suspension. And... Not only the week that DeAndre Hopkins comes back from suspension, but the man with the crazy hair himself, Robbie Anderson, he got traded here. Uh, the The second Marquise Brown goes down and Robbie Anderson has a fight with his wide receivers coach, he gets traded for nothing to the Cardinals. And I understand Robbie Anderson is not a set-the-world-on-fire type of receiver, but he's still a solid receiver. He's still got some skills. They got him for nothing. Um I think Anderson's going to contribute. He's going to need time to learn the playbook. Hopkins is going to need time to get up to speed. Um, so we'll discuss, you know, whether or not you should start these guys later when we talk about our Thursday night preview. But as far as Marquise Brown, that's the guy I'm going to focus on here real quick. Um, 
he's at about six weeks. You can stash him on your IR, um, which if your league doesn't have an IR spot, talk to commissioner in the offseason, get that fixed, please. Um, but you can stash this guy on your IR, which is really nice. You don't have to drop him. You get him back later in the season. He's been a huge contributor for you. But you're talking about Robbie Anderson and DeAndre Hopkins, both getting six weeks to get up to speed before Marquise Brown comes back. There's a good chance that this offense already builds something without him and that he's going to slot in. And instead of getting almost all the targets, he might get at best a third of the targets. So um, I I think that this really, really hurts his value now. If he would have stayed healthy through this, I think he would have stayed the number probably two wide receiver throughout all this and been really solid, but it's going to be tough for him to come back now. It really is. And also because of the Hopkins coming back, Brown kind of sitting there waiting. They still have Rondale Moore there. They still have the man, the myth, the Dorch there as well. I'm not going out there and overreaction picking up Robbie Anderson. I figured I should throw that in there because we talked waiver wire before we talked Thursday Night Football. I don't think this makes any like moves the needle at all on where Robbie Anderson was value wise. If anything, I think it might hurt him at least short term. So seeing him go there, good for the Cardinals, not good for Robbie Anderson. Yeah, but you got to think like, okay, so they're going from Marquise Brown and Greg Dortch to Robbie Anderson, DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, so is DeAndre Hopkins better than Marquise Brown? I know Marquise has been playing really, really well, but Hopkins is one of the best receivers of our generation. Mm -hmm. Um, And every year we try to count him out and every year he just proves us wrong. So yes, Hopkins is better. Is Robbie Anderson better than Greg Dortch? I hope so. Probably. (laughs) Probably. Uh, Yeah. As much as you might not like Robbie Anderson, he's better than Dortch. And like, they still have Dortch as a number three Um, and they still have Zach Ertz. They still have the rookie Trey McBride. Like, I think the biggest value right now is going to be Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray is going to go up. We do have a buy low, sell high coming up later. This guy's not on it. But Kyler Murray might be a guy you can go buy low on. He hasn't been that spectacular for you. Um, But he's got the mobility. Mobile quarterbacks are a cheat code. And now he's got his best weapon in DeAndre Hopkins coming back. His top two receivers just got better. Uh, I don't see how his value gets hurt here. I think that Murray is a good trade candidate right now. I'm with you. And if you're somebody who bought Murray a couple weeks ago and you're sitting there just like, oh, but he's struggling so bad, hang on. Give it a few weeks, see what happens. Um, just speaking quarterbacks really fast, I just want to glaze over it. Uh, Dak Prescott and Tua Tungavailoa are both expected to be back this week for their team starting. Both of them are going to take QB1 reps in practice, and we'll talk more about that on Thursday when we give our every game breakdown. Tyler, this is a mystery to me, but you have something just written on the rundown, so what do you want to say? All right, look, so this has nothing to do with NFL news. But it really doesn't fit into this segment at all, or into the show at all, in any specific spot. So I'm just going to rant for a second here, um, because every week I watch the NFL, and every week there are certain things that bother me. Um, Sometimes it's how the NFL runs things. Sometimes it's how teams run things. Um, There's one team in particular that is pissing me off. Um, And it is going to be a hot take. Um, It is going to upset some people, and that's fine. That is fine. Um, and no, it's not the Cowboys running a rollout deep ball on fourth and inches, which is <laughs> the stupidest decision I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's not even that. All right, George, George, 
Okay. We have not talked about this. You have no idea where I'm going with this. Nope. So none. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you some questions. Okay. All right. Based off of money, player uh-huh. A is in the second year of a five year forty eight million dollar deal. Okay. He is currently making five point nine million dollars this year. Mm-hmm. Player B is making one point four million dollars. Which player do you think should be highlighted? The higher paid one? Yeah, it's not a trick question. Yeah. All right. Player A has 409 rushing yards on the season, uh-huh. averaging 5.8 yards per carry. Uh-huh. Player B has 286 yards on the season, averaging uh-huh. 3.9 yards per carry. Okay. Player B has more carries. You want to tell me why a struggling Packers team is trying to force A.J. Dillon so hard still? Now, I know Cody's not here to defend himself, but Aaron Jones is your high-paid running back. He is out there doing more than A.J. Dillon. Now, I understand A.J. Dillon's a big dude. He's fun to watch. He's got some skills. Cool. He should be a change of pace back. Mm -hmm. He should not be your every-down back. If you want him to be your every-down back, get rid of Aaron Jones. Because Aaron Jones right now is arguably the most talented person on your offense right now. Yeah. And they're not using him. Every single week, the Packers are losing to the Jets. The Packers are losing to the Giants. The Packers are losing to these teams that they should be blowing out. And they have no receivers. But do you think they're using their best player on offense? No. Even when Aaron Jones does get more carries, it's only by like one or two more carries than A.J. Dillon. It it, it makes absolutely no sense to me uh, why they're doing that. And even if like they completely split. Okay, look, let's look at this past week. I mean, I'm pulling these numbers out of my butt, but I'm pretty sure. I I got you. So A.J. Dillon, 10 carries, 41 yards, and Aaron Jones, 9 carries, 19. So he did not perform as well this time. Um, And then when it comes to catches Aaron Jones was better in the passing game more yards on one less reception okay and two less targets I wanted to use this week as an example now this is where the doubters on me are going to be like yeah well look at this week Aaron Jones only had this many yards on nine carries on nine carries he's your best player on offense he had nine carries now you show me you know you're an Eagles fan you show me Miles Sanders you show yep. me Derrick Henry. You show me Christian McCaffrey. You show me Ezekiel Elliott. You show me any of these best running backs in the league, and you tell me they only got nine carries in the game, and please tell me how they got rolling. Like, I can tell you as a Derrick Henry supporter, like, this man led the league in rushing back-to-back seasons. And I saw so many times where he'd get 10 carries, he'd be at, like, 20 yards, and he'd be like, I don't care. Keep running him. He's our best guy. And that dude would end up with 150 yards because eventually he's going to break out. He's your best guy. Keep rolling with him. So I don't understand what the Packers are doing right now. They are losing games, and yet they are trying so hard to go with a two-headed backfield. Like, at some point, realize Dylan is your future, but Aaron Jones is your now. Let Aaron Jones do what he does. Give him more touches. Let him get rolling a little bit. It's so... Running backs are... Creatures of habit. They need touches. They need work to be able to get in a rhythm. You give a guy, you know, one carry, two carries, and then pull him for an entire drive, like, he's never going to get rolling. He's going to keep underperforming. 
But looking at the season as a whole, Aaron Jones has been your better running back. I know Cody's not going to like it because he's been trying to tell us all season, uh, A.J. Dillon is a starter every week. Yeah, because the Packers are using him too much. It's time for Aaron Jones to step up. It's time for the Packers to use him. Yeah, I mean, I get that. And some of these running backs, I think we fail to think, like, remember our, you know, guys that get better with more carries, which is what you were getting at there, too. Like, Zeke was struggling in Dallas a lot the last two years. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were getting Tony Pollard more involved in the offense, and they weren't giving Zeke the opportunity to get 15 to 20 carries a game. This week's a bad example. Him and Pollard almost completely split. They had 13 carries and 11. But in this year so far, Zeke has gotten 15 carries or more um, every single game except for this one. So that tells you that the Cowboys are like, feed Zeke. We know feed Zeke is a thing. He gets better as the game goes on. He wears people down. Aaron Jones is not a bruiser back by any means. But he can still get better as the ball gets rolling. Teams are obsessed with this running back by committee thing. And it does a good thing in the sense that teams can keep backs healthier, keep them fresher for later in the season by taking some carries off their workload. But they still have to give them enough carries to be able to get into that rhythm in a game, wear down a defense in a game. So I agree with you. And I think that that Packers example is a very good one. And I think that Aaron Jones is your rusher receiver. He can do both. I think that A.J. Dillon is your bruiser rusher. He's not much of a receiver. He can catch the ball. He's not much of a receiver. So I feel like the Packers are looking too much into last season where it was like, well, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones were both doing good every time we had him in. Yeah, you had Devontae Adams. Teams didn't give a crap about A.J. Dillon in the backfield. They were worried about Devontae Adams and trying to figure out how to stop him. Now you have Alan Lazard as your number one receiver. No one cares. Or Romeo Dobbs or any of these guys. Like, no one cares about those guys. Now they're stacking the box. Now you go Aaron Jones. Now you got to have some people in the box. Got to have some people in the perimeter in case they pass it to him or go screen. You have A.J. Dillon in the box. Everybody's in the box. It makes your offense way too predictable, and this is why they can't get things going. I mean, give Rodgers a, a chance. Make Aaron Jones will open up that game a little bit, get some more rushing yards. It'll allow the Packers to start throwing more once he gets moving. I don't know. I'm not saying bench A.J. Dillon, but they've got to stop forcing him so much. But, you know, that's enough about the Packers. That is my rant, and Cody's not here to defend it. I know he's a huge A.J. Dillon fan, um, so I can't wait till he listens to this episode and comes back at me with all kinds of disagreements. But that is my rant for the day. Um, I honestly want to know what your rants are. What have you been watching in the NFL that you're like, this pisses me off? Like, Please tell me. I love these conversations. I love getting heated at the NFL just as much as I love just watching the NFL. So, But that is enough for news this week. It is time for me to stop talking and get on to George's favorite segment, which is Quotes of the Week. Yes, Tyler, thank you for the intro into Quotes of the Week. And this actually probably could have fit into news, but I think a quote is a good way to bring it in because Sean McVay, we knew last week there was a really interesting Cam Akers situation where he was just randomly inactive. They called it a personal issue as the reason he didn't play. Well, maybe he's on the trade block. In a press conference, Sean McVay said, as of now, I think it's the best option for all parties, I think, to be would be to explore if there's a good situation for him with another team. 
Cam Akers was in the doghouse to start the year, started to get all those carries, didn't do much with it, and here we are, back where we were last year with Daryl Henderson. This was a shock to me. It felt like it was out of nowhere last Friday. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of surprising to me, too, because I don't, like, Robbie Anderson is not surprising he got traded. You can see no. the fighting on the sidelines. You could, you could see that. They actually um, kicked him off the sideline in the middle of the game. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, you can see it, like, I'm trying to think of a good example here. Um, th- th- this is a bad example, but a team like the Cowboys trading Zeke because they have a guy like Tony Pollard behind it. Like I get that because Tony Pollard is this really, really good running back. The Cowboys aren't going to trade Zeke. So that, that's why it's a dumb example, but you get my point. I don't think Daryl Henderson's that guy. I don't think he's that spectacular or, you know, we heard the rumors of, which is, I guess you could throw this into the news as well that we didn't mention, but the rumors of Christian McCaffrey getting traded. Yep. I get it. The Panthers suck. Like, why not trade one of your assets and build for the future? Like, as crazy as it is to hear him go, I get it. But, you know, the Rams are still playoff hopefuls. Henderson's not that spectacular. We've seen no fighting. I mean, it's this is a blind side. Completely out of nowhere. Um, and we'll have to keep an eye out on if they make a move in, like, a free agency situation. If they're a team that goes after Christian McCaffrey, you don't really know. They could go many different ways with their running back room. But for now, Daryl Henderson's the guy. Um, he's obviously not going to be mentioned in our waiver wire column because he is, you know, widely enough owned that he's not really available. But maybe someone we'll talk about in trades. We'll see. Um, we got to move on to more Packers because Cody's going to love us even more. Uh, Sauce Gardner, rookie corner for the New York Jets, put on a cheese head after their upset of the Packers. It was then knocked off his head by Alan Lazard. Um, he said afterwards, quote, I'm definitely knowing, never going to forget this moment. It's a tribute to the Jets fans. They put it on my head, the Jets fans. I just had to take it and run with it. So kind of a cool moment. The Jets rookies seem like they have a little bit of spunk. We talked even like last week or two weeks ago about the whole Brees Hall saying, man, we're good to the other rookies. But the Jets have something going. Dude, sauce is fun. Yeah, like. I don't know that he he's just a fun player um, to watch and he has been playing out of his mind so far. Um, so he has every right to steal the cheese head. Now it's a disrespect thing to the Packers fans. The Packers fans are going to absolutely hate it. Um, just like I freaked out when the Ravens ripped up the Titans logo. Like I get it. It's a disrespect thing. Or when anybody stands on the Cowboys logo, I get it but that's what makes the game fun. So as much as the fans will hate it uh, of that team, the rest of the league is like, oh yeah, here we go. Let's start some rivalries. Rivalries make the game fun. Uh, Sauce deserves it. Look, the Jets just came out and spanked the Packers. What do you got to say about it? Like he deserves to do some stuff like that. Um, But no, the, the Jets are looking good, man. The Jets are looking weirdly good. So are the Giants. We're in this weird new era of New York football where they're out from being you know, bottom dwelling top five pick teams and they're both playoff hopefuls now. So this is a little bit different to see and probably nice for the second biggest market in the, in the uh, country here. But we did see then the nightcap of Sunday was Eagles Cowboys that got chippy at the end. And after a personal foul penalty, two plays before the end of the game on the Cowboys, Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni yelled over to the Cowboys sideline after the final play that's game F you. Although he didn't say F. 
No, he did not say F. I just can't say that word on this podcast. But if that if that whole sequence does not encapsulate the Eagles Cowboys rivalry, I don't know what does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, like I just said in the last one, like rivalries make the game fun. This is mm-hmm. why you tune in. If you are not an Eagles fan or a Cowboys fan, this is why you still tune into the Sunday night game because you're like, oh, this is a bitter rivalry. This game's going to be crazy. Like, that's why you tune in. Um, so, you know, that's a very Philly thing to do for Sirianni. The rest of the league's going to think he's a jerk. Uh, Eagles fans are going to buy into him even more. That's just how things work. Um, but hey, Eagles are fired up right now. They're 6-0. and I think they're a little fake. George thinks they're a little more real than I'm saying. But either way, conversation for another day. Only way we're going to find out is if they can keep it going. So let's see how long they can stay undefeated. Yes, sir. And I think that wraps up quotes of the week. So why don't we go talk a little more fantasy with some week seven waiver wire. As always, you can go over to thecouchgems.com and kind of follow along or uh, get even a little bit more than we might say in the podcast here about a couple of guys I think are the top ads for the week. I'll run them down here. We'll talk a little bit and then add a couple extra guys on the end of the segment. Um, So my quarterback to add this week, maybe Tyler will agree or disagree, is uh, Matt Ryan of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Baltimore Ravens backup, maybe starting running back Kenyon Drake is another one on there. Uh, trio wide receivers, Rondale Moore, who we did mention a little bit earlier when we talked Arizona, Wandale Robinson, the rookie wide receiver for the Giants, who's kind of starting to get a little bit of playing time here now he's coming back from injury, and Indianapolis Colts wide receiver Alec Pierce, maybe going along with Matt Ryan thing a little bit, and then at tight end, because we always try to chase some tight end points here, this week it's Robert Tunyon, who had 12 targets in that Packers game. Anyone want to jump in a little deeper, Tyler? Uh, my favorite out of this list is Alec Pierce. Um, I don't think the Colts offense is for real. I mean, they barely came back against the Jags. Um, I don't love Matt Ryan as a pickup. Uh, I think he's like he's going to get his touchdowns. I feel like he's going to be playing from behind a lot and have to throw, um, especially with Jonathan Taylor being, being kind of sketchy. So I feel like he will get his yards, get his touchdowns, but I feel like he's too interception happy. Um, so he's a risky play, and you know if you're picking him up, you know it's a risky play. Um, but Alec Pierce, I mean, the guy has been seeing consistent targets now. He is seeing consistent yards. He's getting the touchdowns. And he has now been the guy a few times now that in the really big clutch situations, Matt Ryan is turning to. We thought that would be Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman is still doing well. He's still getting mm-hmm. his own. Um, but Alec Pierce is stepping up and getting a lot of those big targets. So if he can keep that going, Pierce is absolutely worth picking up and honestly he could be a good flex play i'll admit i'm a little skeptical on the alec pierce thing because the numbers are a little skewed matt ryan threw 58 passes in this game matt ryan's not gonna throw 58 passes too often um but i think the the you know targets numbers are still fairly accurate just a little ballooned like michael pittman led the team in targets he had 16 if you can get 16 targets every week i'd love that but that's not going to be the case um Deion Jackson, or the running backs in general, were up there. He got 10. I mean, it's not going to be Deion Jackson specifically all the time, but we know they like to get Naeem Hines involved, even a little bit of Jonathan Taylor. Um, Alec Pierce had seven. The only shocker to me that I think is not sustainable from this game was what Paris Campbell did, which is why he's not the one on my way for wire. It's Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce has been doing it longer. Paris Campbell has had so many times in his career where he's had a flash and then a disappear, and then a flash and disappear. He's like the wide receiver version of Evan Ingram. (laughs) 
if you had to like ask me for a comparison. Honestly, that's a pretty good comparison. I did pick up Evan Ingram in a league this week because I'm that desperate at a uh, tight end. But no, I, I think Alec Pierce is worth looking at. He is like he did not really get anything in the first two weeks. Two targets, no catches in week one, zero fantasy points in week two. With that being said, he's still averaging 8.2 points per game right now because he has seven in week three, 10 in week four, 11 in week five, 12 in week six. At this rate, that means he's definitely going to get 13 next week because that's the counting (laughs) stats that we're going with. Um, But the thing to look at with Alec Pierce is you have bye weeks coming up. Uh, you got a lot of bye weeks that are going to be happening. You're going to have some people that you're going to have to like put some sketchy plays in. Do you really want to be rolling with DJ Moore, who you've been holding? Uh, do you really want to be rolling with Allen Robinson, who you keep hoping has, like turns it on? No. I'd rather roll with Alec Pierce, who has no bye week until week 14, so you don't have to worry about those. And his matchups, he has four green matchups before his bye and no red matchups. So... As we talk about, red matchups a bad one for wide receivers. Green is good. Um, his his schedule is looking pretty easy. So I think with that being said, he's worth picking up. I'm not saying he's going to be like, oh, you have to start him. He is an every week play, but he should be consistently seeing some targets. Um, Colts don't have a number two receiver. They don't even have a tight end that's like that great that they need to force him to line up. So I think Pierce is solid, but um, you know, I think we've spent enough time on the article. If you guys want to see more about those guys that we mentioned already, please go check out uh, George's waiver wire article on thecouchgms.com. Uh, but let's mention some other guys real quick. Um, I'm going to start with one guy that should already be owned, but if he's not, he is 55% owned. Should already be owned, but it's Brian Robinson, uh, rookie running back for the Commanders. We just said it. Carson Wentz is down. That Usually when the starter goes down, they go to more of the run heavy. And Brian Robinson was named the starter last week and was being used as the starter. He hasn't found a lot of running room yet, even though he did get 12 points last week. But he should find more running room moving forward. Hopefully they start to scheme him open a little bit better. But he is definitely worth picking up anywhere where he's still available. I think people are going to overreact to the fact that he did not do super well with 17 carries last week. And we have to remember that the bears have two wins with about two points scored total. So their defense is actually really good. Um, And I think that's a big reason why he did struggle. And then on top of it, you saw Antonio Gibson find more running room than he did. But Robinson, like the Washington has bought into the fact that Robinson's going to be their starting running back and Gibson's going to be a change of pace. We talked about Carson Wentz with the injury already now. I think even though Taylor Heineke's got experience and he's not just, you know, some random rookie fourth round pick that they're throwing out there, they're going to have to rely on the run even more or at least just as much. Like Robinson's going to have the volume that he not only needs to be owned, but is a borderline starter. Yeah. And those who did own him this entire time waiting for him to come back, uh, they could be very disappointed with what he's put up so far. Now, we know as couch GMs that he is bound to break out, but the teams out there that are not couch GMs, they might have Brian Robinson. They might be very frustrated with what he's done. I waited all this time for this, so go find him. You know what? If he is owned in those 55% of leagues, like he is a buy-low candidate, feel free to go trade a depth wide receiver you're probably not going to play for Brian Robinson. I'm with you there. I mean, I like that ad. I mean, I obviously couldn't spotlight him because he's over 50% owned, but 45% available is very widely available. Um, 
Next guy, I'll actually jump down a little bit because I want to let you talk about the second guy on our list. Uh, Dak Prescott is also somebody who should not only be 60% owned. I mean, maybe he started to get dropped because people couldn't stash him on an IR spot. We already talked about it. If you don't have IR spots in your fantasy league, get that fixed. And because of the fact that like Cooper Rush was winning, maybe they were worried for some reason that Dak wasn't going to get the job back. You know, even if Cooper Rush went 5-0, and 6-0 and this year, Dak was going to get that job back at some point. He's too talented. Cooper Rush is just a game manager. He has not been impressive numbers-wise. So if he's out there, go get him. And even in the same situation as Brian Robinson, he might be a potential buy low candidate. Maybe the person who owns Dak in your league had another quarterback that kind of excelled in Dak's absence. They might think Dak's expendable and he's somebody who could go out there and be a fantasy starter every single week. Yeah, that's another frustration of mine. Cowboys, um, you knew for a fact from the time he got injured that it was going to be at least four weeks for him to come back. So why did you not IR him? I don't understand. Yeah. You can bring him back after four weeks. <laughs> IR him so you can call somebody else up onto the active roster and so us fantasy man- managers can stash him. I am in a league where I had to drop Dak because my team was too good, So I, but I needed a quarterback, so I had to drop Dak because I couldn't stash him. So... Guys, what are you doing over there in Dallas? I I, I don't understand. Um, also, on that same note, um, another pretty heavily owned quarterback, but he's doing very well, and I'm surprised he's so owned or so available is Trevor Lawrence, 52% owned. So that means 48% of leagues. Look at that math. Uh, college graduate right here. Um, <laughs> he is available in 48% of leagues. Trevor Lawrence has been proving himself. The Jaguars look good. I mean. Honestly, like, what can we say? The Jaguars actually look really good. Uh, the only reason Trevor Lawrence might not have big points all the time is because his running backs are performing so well, both James Robinson and Travis Etienne. Uh, but either way, Jaguars are going to get theirs. So go ahead and get Trevor Lawrence if he's available. But I will move on to the guy that George skipped. I actually want to just talk for half a second about Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yeah, go for it. I was very much on the fence about what to do with him. I think definitely with bye weeks coming up, he's probably somebody you're going to have a chance to spot start. But his next two matchups are the Giants, who have had a surprisingly good defense so far, and the Denver Broncos, who are only staying in games because of their defense. So, like, the schedule's a little bit tough for Trevor Lawrence over the next two weeks. Then he's got Las Vegas and Kansas City. Vegas is not doing super great. Kansas City is a great offense that is a mediocre defense. So, like, it'll open back up for him. Uh, maybe it's a stash and hold. Maybe it's a guy who's going to be, a, like, a later bye week streamer. But I was kind of holding off on him just for the moment because of those matchups the next two weeks. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, I mean, we have – it's quarterback streamers. Look, if you're in the position where you have to pick up a quarterback and a guy like Dak isn't out there on the waiver wire, like – People were picking up guys like Carson Wentz. I mean, there is still a Jared Goff out there with whether you trust him still or not (laughs) after his last bust. But um, I think Lawrence, even in a bad matchup, is still going to get enough that he's going to be worth starting. Even if he gives you 12 points, like out of a streaming quarterback, you'll take 12. Like it's not what you want to see. You want to see 20, but you'll take 13 a week out of Tom Brady. So exactly that's what i'm saying like aaron Rodgers doing absolutely nothing you have tom brady doing absolutely nothing like what can trevor lawrence hurt getting you 12 13 points um 
But let's go ahead and move on to the guy that George skipped. It is a guy that I really liked in preseason. I tried to snag in all my dynasties. I tried to stash him anywhere I had an R spot. Tyquan Thornton, rookie receiver for the Patriots. I don't know if it's a Bailey Zappy thing. I don't know if it's just that this guy is good. But look, Tyquan Thornton is a burner. He's got speed. And yeah, he might not be the next Tyreek Hill with his absolute athleticism crushing people out there. And he's not getting the targets yet. But he did have two touchdowns this game. And the thing to note with Tyquan Thornton is think about Bellatrix. Think about what that man has done. You find talent. You find a guy, even if he has one thing he's good at, Belichick will find a way to get that one thing utilized. And he did this week. He proved it. Tyquan Thornton had one receiving touchdown, and he did have an end around uh, where he rushed for a touchdown. So the Patriots are already only – this dude's only been back for two weeks. They're already finding ways to get him involved and get him uh, – get the ball in his hands. And – that makes him a sneaky play for later. And he's got the speed to break that touchdown at any given moment. And that's what makes him so valuable. I think I kind of want to break down the Patriots mentality for a half a second. Not that we can ever truly read what Belichick is thinking, but we can go back to the, how many years of experience we have with him in fantasy and try to figure out who might be the best options. Um, if Ramondre Stevenson or Damian Harris are the only healthy back out of those two, they're obviously a great option. That was the case this week. Um, he loves to spotlight those quick shifty receivers that can play the slot and turn small plays into big ones. Tyquan Thornton could fall right into that category, which is why it makes him a great play. And maybe that takes away from somebody that I've been liking a lot, Jacoby Myers, because Jacoby Myers had tended to be their most reliable pass catcher and the fact if you need a catch go to him so like if he can prove that he can turn these targets into catches consistently he could end up definitely being the number one target in that offense you're smart for having everyone jump in a week early I didn't think he quite showed enough that, that like I wanted to spotlight him right away but I'm, if people are watching here they're going to get a little bit of knowledge it's like he's being used creatively in the run game and in the pass game he's exactly what Belichick likes Definitely someone to watch. Yeah, I mean, look, if we want to try to compare them to the Patriots of old, I'm not even saying that Jacoby Myers will be bad. Like, I know they're not the same types of players, but Jacoby Myers could be the Wes Welker, and Tyquan Thornton could be a, a faster Julian Edelman. So, like, I know that's a big leap. I know they're not the same players, but that's just the kind of thing that you could look into. They could both be utilized. They could start getting the pass game going more. Whether they trust Zappy moving forward, whether Mac Jones does step back in and starts airing it out more. Jones seemed to have a little bit of confidence. Um, hopefully they have more confidence in him and let him pass it out. But right now, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, absolutely dominating the ground game. So if they're going to keep dominating the ground game, teams are going to put play up on the line. It's going to open up the pass game and Belichick's going to find a way to get Thornton used. So I'm not saying pick Thornton up and start him immediately, but pick this guy up before everybody else does. You want to get that early jump on him. Just don't handcuff yourself to the point where like, oh, if I pick him up, I have to start him. Like if you're in bye week hell or something like that, then at that point you kind of have to hold back and say, maybe I'll just have to hope the waiver rush waits one more week, or you have to go into the waiver rush and hope you get him. But if you have the ability to and the roster flexibility, definitely worth a speculative ad. Um, and I think we have to talk a little streaming defense before we move out of here. Um, 
we'll start. I, we'll have two. I'll just spotlight them both and talk a little bit. So we have the Jaguars defense against the New York Giants. I mean, I was just I was just praising the New York Giants, but their offense not fantastic. The Jags defense is actually top ten in fantasy right now. Uh, they're fifty two percent owned. So if you can't really grab them, if they're already owned in your league, the Jets versus the Broncos is not a bad play. Maybe the Broncos will make us look dumb if they go off on Monday Night Football as we record this before Monday Night Football, but I kind of doubt that. Look, Russell Wilson doesn't look like himself. <laughs> they don't have um, Javante Williams anymore. Like They're missing a lot of key pieces. The team is already banged up, and they just look lost. Um I'm tired of seeing them on primetime, but we will see them on primetime tonight as we're recording this podcast. We'll see if they kind of took a step forward. But right now, look, the Jets' defense has been pretty good. I'm not going to lie. They just held Aaron Rodgers, whether that team sucks or not. It's still Aaron Rodgers, and they held him to 10 points. And I watched that game, and they made Rodgers look bad. It made him look pathetic. And any defense that can make Aaron Rodgers look pathetic is a good defense in my book. Jets are only 1% owned. If you're in hell and you need to pick up a streaming defense, they should be available everywhere. Not a bad pickup. Uh, but that's enough for waivers. If you have any questions about anybody else, please let us know. Um, we can give you some highlights. We can tell you, honestly, no, sometimes waivers aren't even the hardest problem. Sometimes the hardest problem is like, who do I drop? Let us know. We'll tell you who you should drop or even if you should drop somebody. Maybe the waiver is not worth it. Either way, let us know. We can help you out. But let's get on to one of my favorite segments because I love to trade so much, and that is buy low sell high nice to see that tyler has a favorite segment now to go along with my favorite segment but here we are buy low sell high we obviously always start with the buy low category guys that are not performing up to par or for some other reason their value is lower than it should be tyler you good to start us off always uh, my biggest problem on this podcast is I talk too much. People are tired of hearing my voice. <laughs> I'm either not on the podcast or I'm taking up the whole podcast. So of course I'll talk. Um, my first guy is, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I, I get it. He did just have like 15 points this week, mostly because of a touchdown. Look, Tony Pollard's been taking a lot of carries. Tony Pollard's had some big plays. Zeke's really only been valuable if he has a touchdown. So he he's not that spectacular maybe we should try to get rid of him that's what i'm hoping managers are thinking that's what i'm hoping the people that own zeke are thinking i'm not going to go out here and say that zeke is going to be this league winner for you he's going to absolutely explode but ezekiel elliott with and without dak prescott are two different people we've seen it two years in a row now and dak is back so that means zeke is back they're going to start using him again he's going to start coming up a little bit but the other thing to note is, what running backs are you impressed with right now? Let's talk about some of our first round running backs. Everyone you drafted in rounds four and five. Don't I feel like Ma- McCaffrey and Henry have been good. Nick Chubb has been good. Pretty much everybody else in the first two rounds, running back wise, has been rough. I mean, Saquon was kind of outside the top two rounds. Maybe you can count him in that, but like. Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, Javante Williams. Like, there's so many running backs in these top two rounds. You're just like, I don't even know what to do anymore. Zeke is a guy that was, like, at that second round or just outside of that second round value. And I feel like he is performing as well or better than these other guys. And I think he's about to take a step up. So go get him all you can. He's better than what you got. I promise. 
And honestly, he's one of the few backs who found rushing room on the Eagles defense so far. I think it's basically him and DeAndre Swift are the only two that actually looked solid against the Eagles defense, at least at times. So that says something. And I'm actually going to go to DeAndre Swift's team for my buy low, but it is not at a running back. It is a wide receiver, and it is one of my guys, Amra St. Brown. So people forget about Amra St. Brown because he's been hurt. And we know that they have a ton of wide receiver weapons on the Lions, but it seems to not matter because when Amra St. Brown is played, he has boomed, except for the one week that he was didn't play the full game because of the injury. So you can still probably have to pay up for him a little bit, but I've seen you know sources like Fantasy Pros still rank Amra St. Brown as a rest-of-season top 10 wide receiver, and I don't think a lot of people view Amra St. Brown is a top 10 receiver because they haven't seen it in three weeks. So I don't know if I'm on an island here with those other experts that are like Amra St. Brown is still a wide receiver one. You can tell me what you think, Tyler, but I think it could be a good steal to get him for wide receiver two or three value. No, rub it in, George. I just tried to (laughs) trade for him on your team in our league of record. And then you ended up taking another trade all because you got Jonathan Taylor. Like, Oh, like he's anything good. Uh, no, I absolutely think he's a great pick. I'm trying to trade for him in a lot of leagues, trying to trade uh, buy low on him. Uh, sadly, there's too many couch GMs in our leagues of record. We're like, hey, let's try to make our t- our leagues really tough and full of football geniuses. Idiots. What are we doing over here? Uh, so it's really hard for us to get him, but not every league is like that. Not everybody dives this much attention into it. So if you can, go get um, Ross St. Brown. He's a solid receiver and Jared Goff is not afraid to throw the ball this year so I absolutely agree I think he's a great buy low candidate cool and you know what I'll let you see Blake a little bit more of a break here I'll go right into our sell high and I'll go first so I talked a little bit about Belichick we both talked a little bit about Belichick this past week and I mentioned Ramondre Stevenson as long as Damian Harris is out Ramondre Stevenson is amazing Damian Harris we thought was going to miss a few weeks he actually almost played this week so that tells me that's not going to last too long. Ramondre Stevenson, I think, was running back two on the week, if I'm not mistaken, behind Deion Jackson, of all people. So what if is there's football? a time, uh, right, if there's a time, I expect a Ramondre Stevenson to be up there, by the way. Deion Jackson's the one that got me. But uh, if there's a time to sell Ramondre Stevenson for crazy value, especially to somebody who's like, oh, that boom, maybe he's going to get a lot of carries after this. Sell him now. Because he's definitely going to go back to a 50-50 split with the, uh, Damian Harris as soon as he's back and fully healthy. And then you're going to regret not making that move. So don't completely buy in. He's not going to be completely useless the rest of the year by any means. But see if he can get running back two, running, or running back one value even out of him after such a big week. Couldn't agree more. You're not going to get Stevenson at a higher value than he is right now. So try to get the value he is now while you can before his value goes down. Um, even the best running backs in a 50-50 split can't seem to put up the numbers you'd like to have. Aaron Jones. Um, But I will go into my next sell high, and that is uh, it's a hot take. I know that's who I am, so it is what it is. But Saquad's Barkley, um, the dude has been great. Uh, He looks like his old self. He looks to be playing like the person he should be. But. (laughs) But. Sorry, it's it's too steamy over here. This is too hot of a take. Look, it's a hot take, and no one's going to feel good about getting rid of Barkley, but this man has not been able to play a full season healthy yet. 
and he is already playing through some injuries. Whether he wants to admit them or not, whether they're on the injury report or not, if anybody watched that Giants game, you could see that he was holding his shoulder, holding his chest, holding everything. Like, this dude is hurt and playing through it. And it takes a lot of heart and a lot of grit, and I respect the man. But if you keep playing through injuries the way that he is now, and with how much the Giants are leaning on him right now, it's not going to last long. Um I hate selling people because I assume they're going to get hurt, but this is a guy that I'm doing it with. I don't see Saquon sustaining this the way that his body has been beat up these past few years. Uh, I don't see him sustaining this much volume this quickly. And I think the Giants are kind of already planning it because look how much Matt Breida was involved. It's Matt Breida. It's Matt Breida. And I think it was because he's banged up, but yeah. (laughs) He shouldn't be involved. Like This is... I think that's a telltale sign that they're starting to be like, oh, maybe he is a little hurt. Um, also, the only reason Saquon has been able to be so good is because the Giants are in every game because their mm-hmm. defense has been that stout. Now, there is a chance their defense continues to be that stout. Their schedule is not that hard. So there's a chance that their defense continues to be this strong and they do stay in every game and Saquon does keep getting all the volume. But what happens when the Giants become the Giants and their defense stops playing to a top-tier level? What happens when they need to start throwing the ball more? Daniel Jones starts throwing his picks that you know is coming. Like, Mm -hmm. what happens when that happens? Saquon's value is going to go down, and you're going to wish you traded him. I I know it's hard to get rid of him, but you will not get more value out of Saquon than you will right now. So I would try to move him, try to get a top-tier piece, out of him um, while you can. Uh, just my hot take. I'll take us off of fantasy just for a half a second because I want to share a very interesting stadium experience from this weekend. So I went to go see Ravens Giants this week, obviously in New York. New York home game, first time I've been to one. And just to show how much Saquon Barkley means to the Giants, how much a single person is that offense. You should have felt how tense it was on in that crowd when Saquon Barkley was not on the field. How much there was this exhale of relief and almost like a standing ovation every time he came off the sideline onto the field, even in the middle of a drive. Like, it's insane to me. I mean, as a Philly fan, there's plenty of running backs that I've experienced that are absolutely beloved by Philly fans. But because he's not only beloved, but literally like that entire offense right now, it's insane to me. And they are riding him so hard. He can handle it, but he is getting banged up. And how long can he handle it is my question. So I'm with you. When you think of face of the franchise, you think of the quarterback. You think mm-hmm. when you think of a team, you think of who their quarterback is. Saquon is one of, I'd say, four teams that Saquon is on one of those four teams that the face of the franchise is not the quarterback. Uh, you know, even if you look at a team like the Raiders, like it's not Devontae Adams as the face, it's Derek Carr. Like you expect the quarterback. It's not Daniel Jones. No one thinks of Daniel Jones when they think of New York. They think of Saquon Barkley. No one thinks of Ryan Tannehill when they think of Tennessee. They think of Derek Henry. No one thinks of Baker Mayfield or PJ Walker. They think Christian McCaffrey. Like these are the guys that are the face of the franchise. There's few and far between that they highlight. Um, my other one would be Jonathan Taylor, but he's been a little rough. But when you have someone who is able to overtake the most important position on offense and become the face of your team, that's huge. 
it means a lot to the team, means a lot to the fan base. And I really do hope, I know what I said. I really hope Saquon does stay healthy. I hope he has mm-hmm. a long season um, with great success because he deserves it. He works his butt off, but I, I just don't see it. I feel like they're going to run him into the ground, and I'm already seeing the little nicks and knacks that are starting to build up, and I'm afraid that his shoulder is worse than he was letting on. And obviously, we'll keep you updated if he's on the injury report this week, if we hear any other news about the injury. So make sure you follow us on Twitter. Check out our Thursday show when we break down those games. But we have one game we have to break down before we go. That's Thursday Night Football, so why don't we jump in? Thursday Night Football expected to be a good one, finally. I mean, maybe we'll actually get a touchdown before quarter three. But we have to remember that Call of Duty releases a new game this week and Kyler Murray's in the game. So New Orleans Saints, Arizona Cardinals, and the Saints are still absolutely a wreck. But I'll start with the Cardinals just because I already made fun of them. Uh, They're also a mess, (laughs) especially at the running back position. So I don't know exactly how to even give you advice at this point without knowing who's going to go. Do you want to give it your best shot, Tyler? You just want to say, keep an eye on Twitter because we don't know. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, if, if James Conner is playing, I feel like you're probably starting James Conner. This is where Cody's like, nope, not playing him. But Cody doesn't play any running backs, so you you can't listen to that completely. I, I know James Conner's not the best play, and if he is healthy enough to go, he'll probably be on a snap count. But who are your options outside of him? It's pretty sketchy, so you're probably playing him, but I'd be sketched out. Um, if Eno Benjamin is your starter, Eno looked good. Like he's not a he's not a crazy good running back, but you know he's he looked pretty good. And but honestly, you just got to look at the injury report. You got to follow along. You got to follow on uh, the the Couch GM's Twitter page where we give you live updates. Follow our Discord. Uh, jump on that chat. Uh, whatever you got to do, just make sure you're keeping up with us because we will let you know what's going on and we'll let you know who to start closer to the game. Um, but Cardinals, you know, we yeah. got to talk more about these receivers. I think that's the bigger <laughs> question. Yeah. Are, are we starting DeAndre Hopkins? Are we starting Robbie Anderson? Is Greg Dortch the man? Is Rondale Moore a, a, a potential flex play? Like, who are you starting a receiver for this team? I think if Marquise Brown had not gotten hurt, I would have waited a week on DeAndre Hopkins. If he would have gotten 20 on my bench, I would have been like, good for you. I know he's back. Now that there's no Marquise Brown at wide receiver one, I'm starting DeAndre Hopkins right off the bat, especially if I'm in a bye week trouble. If I'm somebody who's been struggling at receiver, just waiting for it to happen, do it. My other guy is not Robbie Anderson. It's way too quick of a turnaround for him on a short week to expect him to play more than like 15% of the snaps. How can he learn enough routes in that playbook? be able to play a significant amount of you know plays literally in the building two days like it's not going to happen um I love Greg Dortch but I'm going to double down like I did in the waiver wire article it's Rondale Moore as the other guy Rondale Moore had 10 targets this week Rondale Moore has been trying to they've been trying to use him creatively in this offense and now that Marquise Brown's gone even with DeAndre Hopkins slotting in he can still stay at that wide receiver two spot they're still working him in more and more he's gonna have a breakout at some point and it's, it could be this week. I mean, the Saints have not been fantastic on defense. I love him as a flex play, but don't put him in your flex, as Cody would say, because it's a Thursday night game. 
Yeah, my one point that I would make on DeAndre Hopkins for anybody out there who's a little like on the fence of playing him or not, you got to remember that, yes, he's missed the first six weeks, but he hasn't missed the first six weeks because of injury. He's not coming off of a gruesome high ankle sprain or an ACL tear from last year. No, like he's not coming back from this injury that we're worried if he's going to be able to sustain it. He's coming off a suspension. Uh, This dude has, I, I haven't seen him. It's not like we hang out on a regular (laughs) basis, believe it or not, but I bet you he's been working like crazy in his time, trying to make sure he is ready to go. So when they call his number, he is ready to go. And it's, it's also not like some rookie receiver stepping in. It's DeAndre Hopkins. Does he really need that much time to get up to speed? Probably not. He's one of the greatest receivers of our generation, like I said. So um, especially with Marquise Brown down, I feel like you have to roll DeAndre Hopkins into your lineup if you have him. Um, I think he's going to be just fine. I do think the number one receiver for this game, however, is going to be Zach Ertz. I'm with you, and I feel like that could actually even stay the case for a while because Zach Ertz seems to be their third down safety net, their red zone guy. And obviously Hopkins is going to get a lot of 50-50 balls because that's just what Hopkins does, and he's going to be successful with it. But when it comes to target volume in those key spots, Zach Ertz could stay that relevant for a while. So anyone who drafted Zach Ertz late, congratulations. you still got yourself tight end one. Yeah, so you're starting Ertz, you're starting Hopkins, you are starting Kyler Murray for sure, um, and you are thinking about playing Rondell Moore in your flex. Obviously, if you're up in the air about that, let us know who your other options are. We'll tell you who you should start. But let's talk about the Saints side of the ball. Um, Taysom Hill in people's tight end spot got like four, um, which (laughs) as bad as that may seem, (laughs) as bad as that may seem, that's pretty much the tight end average outside (laughs) of the top three. So. It wasn't mm-hmm. terrible, but any other yeah. Saints you're starting? I feel like I have to hit the injury report first because I feel like there's an outside shot that Taysom Hill's a quarterback this week. Um, Andy true. Dalton hurt his back um, in that game. He finished it. He is a limited participant on Monday. From um, carrying so the I Saints. Feel like from <laughs> I mean, there was no one playing, so kind of. <laughs> but uh, um, So, I mean, we don't know what his status is. Limited participant makes me think that he's probably going to be okay to go, but might be a little banged up. Jameis Winston was also a limited participant. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for him to come back because he hurt his back carrying the Saints too. Um, Chris Olave is not an injury report. He's going to be back from his concussion this week. Good to hear because he's immediately back in your lineup. He has been their wide receiver one, especially because Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry did not practice on Monday. I don't expect them to go on a short week now. Um, so it's what? Uh, Kamara, Olave, and that's it? Hey, there was that like Rashid Shaheen Shaheed something. I don't know. <laughs> Rashid it was something... Shaheed. It's it's a cool name actually. <laughs> that that guy. Uh, they yeah. have him. Um, Traquan Smith is an outside flex play. Um, I know that sounds okay. weird, but he caught a touchdown this past week. I feel like he is the biggest veteran on the team left outside of your top three, and they're gonna have to throw the ball to somebody. So I think that Traquan Smith could be a viable option. Um, as a flex play, obviously, like that means wide receiver three. He is not a guaranteed start. He is an option. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like you got Kamara, and then I don't think we're really starting anybody else from this team. I mean, yes, Olave is not on the injury yeah. report. Um, yeah. So Olave is definitely in your lineup. Um, I honestly forgot about him because I he's <laughs> such a like he's in. Like it's yep, it's not a question. 
He's it's amazing in. how much that's changed in the first six weeks of the season. But outside of those guys, I'm not starting anybody else. I think this is going to be a much better game than we've been seeing, I hope. Um, but still not a ton of fantasy players in your lineup. No, I think that about wraps up our Thursday night preview. Um, and when it comes to those Arizona running backs, yeah, definitely keep an eye on our Twitter page. We're going to keep you up to date the best we can on that injury report. But I'll say as of now, looks like Eno Benjamin might be the only one playing again. And if he does, looks like we're rolling him out. It's Eno Benjamin time. Um, but guys, honestly, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. I know Cody's not on here to tell you to sit every single running back yet. Um, <laughs> hopefully he'll be here on Thursday for our Sunday preview, and he can tell you to sit everybody. But, you know, shout-outs go to him this weekend. He gets married. So anybody, please go on the Couch GM's page and wish Cody – uh, good luck on the rest of his life on getting married. So big moments. Um, we're going to miss him while he's on his honeymoon and everything. But either way, thanks for listening to the two of us. And this podcast is so much more fun for us and more fun for you when you get involved. So reach out to us with any questions, comments, concerns you may have. Let us help you win a championship. Yes, Tyler, and thank you all one more time for listening into the Couch GM's podcast. For Tyler Snyder, I'm George Kurth, and we'll see you all later this week. Boom.